Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello. Oh, you're exactly right, Joe. We work for the man upstairs as you do. You're setting me up quite well. You just gave me an alley-oop. The greatest revolutionary act you can commit right now is to open your mouth and speak the truth. Whether you're an academic or you're a regular guy, we have to be fearless. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach. Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to The Frontline with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, as always, joined by Joe Resinello. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach on the Veritas Catholic Network, 1350 on your AM dial serving the New York metropolitan area. Please be sure to download the Veritas Catholic Network mobile app so that you could have access to all of our station's content. And please be sure to follow Joe and I on Facebook and YouTube. You could find us at the front line with Joe and Joe. Like, subscribe, share, hit the little bell for notifications, help us out, do all that fun stuff. And today we are very pleased and honored to be joined by Nicole Caruso. And we have a very important topic to talk about. We think you're going to be interested in it. For those of you who are not familiar with Nicole, I want to briefly introduce her to you. Nicole M. Caruso is a professional makeup artist and beauty consultant, form, uh, former beauty editor of Verily Magazine and homeschooling mom of three. Nicole's mission is to inspire women to invest in their self-worth with her movement, hashtag worthy of wearing. She wants women to live an integrated life where faith and style meet. On her website, NicoleMCaruso.com, one word, NicoleMCaruso.com. She shares expert style and beauty advice, tips on healthy living, and reflections on marriage and motherhood. She and her husband are raising their family right outside of Washington, D.C. Now, this is what Chris Stefanik, Catholic author and lay evangelist, had to say about Nicole's book. Worthy of wearing is a powerful message for the Christian woman. In a materialistic world where women are often objectified in mainstream fashion, this book brings the beauty, dignity, and femininity that only our Catholic faith upholds to real life. Daughters, wives, sisters, even men will be inspired by the quest for authentic femininity through personal style. Nicole M. Caruso, welcome to the front line with Joe and Joe. Thank you so much for having me today. Excellent. I can't help but note that you're Italian. We love it. It's wonderful. <laughs> Nicole, we I love got, it too. <laughs> we don't plan it, but we seem to get a lot of paisans. So that's a good yeah. thing. It's uh, We're off to a good start before we even begin. Yeah, we, it's, we it's family. This, we always <laughs> warn the station. We tell them, look, it's not our fault. We happen to attract paisans, and we always wind up getting in trouble. But that's okay, because <laughs> that's what we do at the front line with Joe and Joe. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so let's start with the prayer. We always start with the prayer in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, never was it known that anyone who sought your help or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, we fly unto you, a virgin of virgins, our mother. To you we come, before you we stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother, the Word incarnate, despise not our petitions, but in your clemency, hear and answer us. Amen. St. Agnes. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. So, Nicole, let's get right into it. Uh, doing research for this interview, I read your mission is to bring out the feminine genius. What do you mean by that statement? 
Well, I heard this statement from John Paul II in his letter to women when he talked specifically to women and wanted to let them know that they are acknowledged in the church, in the Catholic faith, with having very specific gifts that God bestowed upon all of us. And one of the ways that we show our feminine genius is as women is how we nurture souls. You know, so whether you are a mother, whether you're a friend, a sister, um, or just a spiritual mother, we all um, have this way that we nurture and tend to other souls. Uh, and so I, to me, feminine genius is um, how we live that out is different. Of course, we're all called to different walks of life, different vocations, but the way that we love people, um, and it's making me think a little bit of our Italian heritage here too, just the way that we we love on people with food, with, with hosting, with um, making them feel um, seen and loved and, and special is to me the way that we live out our feminine genius. And you know something, I guess like to some degree, the culture has taken, robbed, I think, women of that. Because again, like you said, we're equal but different. I mean, you know, my mom uh, had a role, my dad had a role, my wife has a role, I have a role. You know, and, and sadly, the culture is dictating, I think, to women specifically. Like say uh, a woman wants to stay home. She doesn't want to work, just say, you know, she or she doesn't have to work, let's just say. What's wrong with that? Do you know what I'm saying? Like there's a stigma to that now. And that's that's sad. What do you attribute that to, Nicole? Well, I think we can attribute that to the feminist movement that was trying to not only promote abortion, but promote this idea that women have to um, strip themselves of their femininity in order to appear strong or successful. Um, and I get into that a little bit in uh, in the book that I wrote, but I think it's important for us to realize that we have um you know, in, in our womanhood, in our, in our female dignity, um, a way that we don't need to be like a man to, uh, to give of ourselves. We can kind of cultivate our spiritual life, cultivate our daughterhood in Christ. And that is going to extend, um, beauty and, and share Christ with the world in a very different way than a man does. Um, and I'm trying to, you know, teach my daughter and son that, and I have two boys and one girl. And so as of course, we're teaching them how to live out their mission in different ways, you know, and, and that's good. That's a good thing. Um, and so, you know, God didn't create us to be the same. He created us differently intentionally. I, I wonder sometimes, cause you know, I, I try to stay away from TV, especially, uh, you know, after late last year, um, I find myself not really putting on cable news much at all. Okay. Now a lot of it's infuriating, but I, I saw a feminist. I don't remember if it was on Tucker Carlson show or maybe Laura Ingram show. And along speaking to what you're saying, and she said flat out, our goal is to destroy uh, this, this idea that there's a difference between men and women. That, that in law and in the culture, that there be no difference between men and women. And I say, do I really need to make an intellectual argument against that? Or should I just say, listen, lady, you're full of crap because there are differences between men and women. You simply refuse to acknowledge them. And it's infuriating because I wonder why as a culture, we allow the feminists to get away with this when there are obvious differences between men and women, both like you said, both of whom have gifts to give, yet feminists want to deliberately destroy that line, not even blur that line, completely destroy it. I just don't get it. 
I know it can be discouraging. And I think there's unfortunately so much confusion, even in our beautiful Catholic church about what it means to be a woman and what it means to live that out. Um, but I think our model for, for me is our blessed mother. She Amen. is the ultimate woman in, and she's our model of femininity and of motherhood. Um, and in her yes to Christ, you know, her entire self was a reflection of God's love and that's how she lived her life. And that's what I want to encourage women to do is to um, open themselves up to being daughters of Christ. Let him uh, be your father and let him be, you know, he's our king of kings. And I think when we reflect on that a little bit, it's like, you know, we're, and I don't mean this in like the Disney princess way, but we are his royal court. You know, we're his princes and princesses. We represent him in this world and we're called to a different kind of dignity. Um, We're called to be set apart and to really let others see what it means to be a Christian by the way that we live our lives. You know, I'm glad you brought up the Blessed Mother, and I want to talk about that a little later on in the conversation. Uh, But this is something a lot of times people with the Catholic Church, they say they don't honor women or women are second-class citizens. I think what people forget is the greatest creation was a woman. You know, it was the Blessed Mother. That is of man. She, She is from, you know, the union of a man and woman. Christ, you know, was begotten, not made, you know, but Mary was a was the creation and she is the greatest creation a woman people forget that they don't touch upon that they always say like women are second class citizens oh no the greatest symbol and person in our faith outside of christ was mary mm-hmm. you know and 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 i think people don't focus on that enough um and we'll get back to that a little bit later as we move forward you mentioned you have a daughter so do i she turned seven today uh, my daughter's name is Teresa. Happy birthday, Teresa. Um, Happy birthday. Yes. <laughs> How does a young girl growing up in this culture celebrate her u- unique and inherent dignity? It's so hard. I mean, I drop her off, you know, at school and I see the kids. I even see their mom sometimes. Um, you know, I think it's so hard to be a young girl now more than I mean, when we were kids. I mean, I'm 50. You know, so, I mean, I remember then it was hard to be a guy and a girl like the culture was crazy. It's even crazier now. How does someone uh, basically celebrate that unique and inherent dignity? Yes. So I also have a seven year old daughter named Cecilia. um, And it's something that I think for my husband and I, we want to let her know that there are women who lived before her that were saints that followed Christ, they, their, their entire mission was to be a saint. And so that's what we try to encourage our daughter to do is give her the example of the saints of saints, like, you know, Joan of Arc, St. Therese of Lisieux, um, St. Rita, whose feast day is today. Um, and, and many, many others, um, really teaching them the lives of the saints and also teaching them what it means to grow in virtue, um, celebrating their strengths, uh, celebrating the gifts and the spiritual gifts that they have. Um, and also teaching them what is the feminine genius. So I was traveling this week. I had to unfortunately go to a funeral. And when I came home, there were little vases of roses on in our home. And my daughter said, mama, I picked those. And I wanted you to see them when I, when you got back. And I said to her, honey, that is using your feminine genius to bring light and beauty into our home. And it just, it delighted me. And I, and I wanted to let her know how important that is by celebrating that she thought of that. So I think, you know, affirming that in our girls, when they go outside of themselves to serve someone, to, um, 
just do something special for them in a very hospitable way uh, and and really acknowledging them when they do something virtuous. So the other day uh, she she was really scared to tell someone sorry for hitting them with a soccer ball. And I said, you know, if you if you go over there and you do say you're sorry, you're you're showing the virtue of courage and you're showing the virtue of the power of forgiveness and, and humility. And so she was so like she didn't want to go over there. But when we I, you know, I walked over, I held her hand and afterwards I said, honey, you, you know, you did it. You were scared, but you did it anyway. And that is true courage. And it just lit up her eyes, you know, and I think we can do that for our girls. We can teach them what those virtues are and celebrate them when they do it. Uh, I love the phrase like catch your children when they're doing good, you know, not only when they're just like doing the wrong thing. And uh, it, it has made a huge difference in our family culture to say like, hey, I saw you do that sweet thing for your brother. I saw that you made his bed or I saw that you picked up that garbage when it wasn't your job to do that. And um, it truly, I think it just, it just lifts them up and it, it holds them to a beautiful standard. You're at the front line with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasillo, Joe Racinello, and we are with Nicole Caruso and we're discussing her new book, Due Out Tuesday, right, Nicole? Yes. Due Out Tuesday, Worthy of Wearing, How Personal Style Expresses our feminine genius. Go ahead, John. You know, I mean, I'm a father of four. My wife's pregnant with our fifth child, so please pray for her. Um, you know, I think it's so important because you mentioned, you know, basically living out of virtue as, as, as like Catholic parents. And this is something my wife and I talk about. Not only do, you, do we have the rituals, we all have them in each house. Everyone's different. We pray the rosary as a family. We read the day's gospel before mass, uh, before we eat. We also go to mass together, but they have to see it translated. And I love that story you just told, Nicole, because that's translating the faith into real life. And that's what we're called to do. We're not ritualistic. I mean, there is ritual in the faith, but it's very important, I think, for Catholic parents to do that. Kids have to see a concrete. I mean, that that took courage for her. She was afraid. Well, if we're going to live our faith, we have to have courage. What I thought was... uh important in what you said, Nicole, is that you, you mentioned the word affirm. All right. You know, when you affirm your daughter and the, and that's so important that just to piggyback off what Joe was saying, the culture is affirming our kids in very negative ways in very destructive ways. Okay. That we don't really need to go into, but we want to, we can. And that's why at home, we have to emphasize the parents that parents cannot be lax, not in this day and age. You cannot, you're, you, you try to affirm your child in all the positive things, the virtues you've discussed, like courage and everything else, uh, affirm your daughter in her feminine, in her femininity. And then the kids are going out into the culture and they're getting affirmed in ways that are quite frankly, opposite. We cannot be sitting on our hands with this when it comes to our kids, because the culture is vicious, as we said earlier. All right. And yes, it's true. They want to, they want to attack our kids and affirm them in some, some diabolical things. So I, I very think, I think it's very important what you said. When you catch your kids doing good, affirm them in that. And also, Nicole, I mean, you worked in, in you know, uh, as a makeup artist. I mean, you're in that field. I'm sure you've seen a lot of things, both good and bad. Um, how does that same young girl, like my daughter, your daughter, who are around the same age, if not the same age, basically incorporate those things that you talked about in their personal style? Because they're going to adapt, have their own style, you know. They're human. They're little girls. You know how they like to wear their shoes, their pants, their shirts. How do you do that? 
you know, I started when she was, when she was little and she first started to notice, you know, when I would get dressed and she would touch all the fabrics and she'd pull out my shoes. And, um, you know, when they're two, they start getting curious about these things. They want to, you know, have that independence and dress themselves. And, um, I really wanted to encourage her to express herself in what she wears. And so I would ask her if, you know, if it was time to buy new clothes because she grew, I would, you know, show her two dresses, honey, which one do you like better? Or, you know, let's go try on pants. Let's go try on a dress. Which one are you more comfortable in? Just little simple things like that. And it's so funny because now that we're able to talk about it more that she's a little bigger, um, we've had the discussion of, you know, we'll be out together and she'll say, well, mama, I like this dress. How come you don't like, like, would you wear this too? Would you want to match me? And so we had to have this conversation of, well, honey, you know, you love wearing flowers and you love wearing dresses and mama's a little more different. You know, I'm a little different. I have different style. I like wearing, you know, neutral colors and, and I like wearing jeans and these are things that are, you know, make me feel good and confident. And so we had to have a discussion of like, you know, God made us um, differently, even though we're mother and daughter, we're part of the same family. Um, There's things that make you feel happy and joyful that are not the same for me. And so it's okay to have different style and it's okay that you want to wear a floral dress every day. And I want to wear jeans and a white t-shirt every day. Um, and it's been really cute. Cause now that when we go out and she'll say, Oh mama, that's your style or mama, this is a Cecilia dress. And she'll say that. And, you know, I think it's important for us as, as moms and as parents, not to, um, you know, we have to give them boundaries. We have to teach them what's appropriate for the different contexts of life. You know, what, what we wear to church is not the same thing that we wear to the playground. Um, but we also have to give them those boundaries of like, this is what's, uh, this is what's okay for this. This is what's okay for that. And then get in that, in those boundaries, give them freedom, you know, and, and, and they're going to make mistakes. Of course, they're going to come out and say, Oh, can I wear this to church? And you're like, well, honey, I love what you picked out, but I think for, for mass, we should add a sweater on top of that. Or I think we should put some, some leggings underneath that and just give them that affirmation again, um, that they have personal expression, that they like certain things and those things are good, but maybe they just need to kind of tidy them up, to tailor them a little bit to the contexts that we're going into, because it's, it's so easy for us as parents to think, oh my gosh, if my kid leaves the house and that people are going to look at me like I'm a crazy parent, or people are going to think this, or people are going to think that. And I think we can ourselves get wrapped up into that and then put project that onto our kids and they start to feel shame and they start to feel, oh my gosh, my parents don't think that what I like is okay. And that's where this sort of internalizing, like I can't share that with them anymore. We want them to feel comfortable and we want them to feel vulnerable enough to express themselves with their clothing. Um, But, you know, but know that it's, it's a relationship where, you know, they have to check in with us and we also have to give them a little bit of freedom too. uh, Go ahead. I'm so glad you said that because there are rules, Nicole Caruso. There are rules. And that's, I think, the biggest thing we're facing. Joe and I use the analogy on the show all the time. Okay, if you get Derek Jeter and a bunch of baseball studs on a in a park and you give them some bats and balls and watch them throw the ball around, it's boring. It's not a game. You put down some foul lines, you put an outfield fence, you put a mound, you put a home plate. Now the game begins. Yes. The problem is we live in a culture that says there are no rules. So with that, I'd ask, let's talk about how young women dress. What would be Nicole Caruso's advice to young women out there in regards to what I just said about, like you said, being free, but within the context of those boundaries? Yes. I, you know, I think we've lost the sense of how clothing can 
there are appropriate things to wear to certain occasions. Um, and I'm not saying that the occasion makes us worthy of wearing something specific, but we've lost Sunday best. You know, I don't know what happened to that, but that's a beautiful way of showing your reverence to God and also showing others that you are dignifying yourself being in God's house, being in the church on Sunday or whenever you go to mass. Um, so we've sort of become so casual where basketball shorts, you can wear to basically any event or, you know, flip-flops you can wear to basically any event. And I personally don't agree with that. Um, I think that there are certain contexts where we need to teach our young people, our children, the, the kids that we know, young adults, uh, what to wear to certain things. And, and I, I think there's something very beautiful um, when I traveled actually to Mexico and I saw uh, we, were, we were there doing missionary work the week leading up to Holy Week up to Easter Sunday. And the families there, of course, had their normal clothes for day to day. But when it was Easter Sunday, the slicked back hair, the buttoned up shirt, the ironed pants, the, you know, the dresses with the little belts. I mean, there was just this shift that happened because they were going to Easter mass and we don't have to wait until Easter mass. We can show that we're going somewhere special. We're going to mass with how we dignify ourselves with our clothing. Nicole, it's funny. As you were telling that story, I was thinking of something to bring up and, and it's going to basically parallel that I was in Haiti um, doing some work um, years ago. And it's it, it's it's burned into my mind um, on and it's, they're very poor. You know, it's, it's I think it's the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. But on Saturday night, outside of all the houses, all the shoes were lined up and they were polished for mass the next day. And I always remember wow. that. Because this is the poorest nation in the Western Hemisphere. And they take the time and to polish the shoes to go to mass. To go to mass the next day. And it's it's something I think that a lot of Catholics in you know our very wealthy nation don't grasp. The last will be first. You know, like like I remember that and I've had many experiences like that. And I say to myself, these are God's people. <laughs> like, like yes. I can't even like, and I'm glad that like, and we have to be mindful of that. I don't mean to go up on a tangent, but it just struck me. And it, I think it says to something to us, you know, we could make a little bit of an effort and it's important because it's Sunday's a special day, but talking about like how young girls dress, I mean, you know, as a parent before soon to be five, um, we live near a park. And uh, we go and I see how some of these girls, they're like 14 and some of them are very developed and what they're wearing. I say to my wife, I, I'm like, I actually feel sorry. for them. I'm like, what is going on here? Like, it is sad. It is very, very sad. I mean, what, what do you say to a parent, you know, that maybe is because here's the thing. I mean, you're homeschooling your kids. I my kids go to Catholic school. No situation is perfect. No kid is perfect. But you, what do you say to that parent, you know, who wants to encourage their kid away from that, yet is gravitating towards it? Well, we've, my daughter and I have, have begun to have discussions. I mean, we used to live right in downtown DC. So, you know, you see all sorts of people, all sorts of dress, all sorts of ways. And at just like New York. And um, there was one occasion where she and I were walking behind someone on the sidewalk, uh, a woman who had a dress on that her whole back was exposed. And my daughter kind of like tugged on my shirt and said, mama, why is her whole back out? And I'm like, oh boy, <laughs> 
you know, here we go. But I, you know, I said, gosh, it's so distracting that we can't just look at her beautiful face or her beautiful smile. We're now staring at all of this skin. So that's sort of where I said, you know, that, that was sort of the entry point. Like there are young women who are causing a distraction by being immodest in a way that we can't get to know them and their gifts and their talents and their beautiful feminine genius, because we're just stuck staring at something that is exposed. And so it's, it's, it's hard because, um, there are mothers who are allowing their daughters to dress this way. And I sometimes wonder, do the, do the moms know? Is the, do the daughters know? Like, do they feel different? Because I know for myself, if I'm wearing something that's not covering my body in the way that I feel comfortable, I feel it right away. I mean, that insecurity, boom, like this is not going to work. And we got to do something about this. I, I'm starting to wonder if they are feeling that way and they're ignoring it or if they're trying to fit in, if this is just a thing where we want to look the same as the neighbor across the street. Um, you know, I think it's a combination of all of that, but one thing that um, I came across in my homeschooling journey is the work of this woman named Charlotte Mason. And she talks about this idea of twaddle. This is her, her word that she came up with. Um, and it's essentially like junk food for our minds. So, you know, you see in the culture, there's these goofy TV shows that aren't really teaching us anything beautiful, good, or truthful, right? Beauty, truth, and goodness. That's the way that we come to know Christ. It's the way that we share our faith. Um, so that's been the standard in our home. If something, whether it's something we wear, something we watch, something we read, um, if it's like junk food for our mind, it's not happening. And I think when we start there, when that's our starting point and we start to weed out all of the junk food from the, the TV, from the, cl the closet and, and from our bookshelf, um, and we start to really celebrate what is good, true and beautiful, I think that's where the change happens because it's so easy to be desensitized to mm -hmm. the junk food. Yeah. And the book you should have on your bookshelf is Worthy of Wearing, How Personal Style Expresses Our Feminine Genius. That is Nicole M. Caruso's new book coming out on Tuesday. Remember, she is, uh, well, you were the former editor of Verily Magazine, homeschooling mom of three. We're having a great conversation at the front line with Joe and Joe. Nicole, we have about, let's say, three and a half, four minutes before the first break. Talk to us about how modesty and beauty go together, how that has been basically obliterated in our culture and why we need to bring those back together. Well, it's, you know, I think this is another place where we can look to our Blessed Mother. And I think of how she appeared to St. Bernadette at Lourdes um, as a beautiful woman, more beautiful than any woman they had ever seen. And I remember they, in the story, one of the people asked St. Bernadette, well, was she as beautiful as that bride we saw get married? Because she was the most beautiful woman in the town who had just gotten married. And St. Bernadette was sort of like... <laughs> She was way more beautiful than her, you know, and I just think, oh, I love that. Um, our Blessed Mother is the most beautiful woman, and she appears as a mirror of God in her beauty. And I think modesty is a virtue that we don't recognize as a virtue. People hear that word and they're like, oh, that means you have to be old fashioned and prude and you know, wear your, your sackcloth and ashes. And it's so not true. You can look like a stylish young woman. You can reflect a beauty in a way that maybe someone who's completely secular, completely does not follow any particular faith at all can look at you and think, what is it about that person? I wanna talk to them. And it's because we can reflect Christ just the way our blessed mother does by wearing clothes that dignify our body um, in a way that, you know, 
we can we can look completely relevant. I think that's that's where people miss this point. You can be a completely relevant, stylish person and still dress yourself in a way that brings dignity to your human person um, and doesn't detract from it. You know, I, I personally think that people are looking for attention when you, you know, it's the same thing with men. You know, if you like work out, you know, like you lift weights, you know, like why are you walking around half naked? Who cares? You know what I'm saying? Like, I think when the call said was so important earlier about, I think the message for young women it would be very important to let them know, do you want, let's say, you know, they're young and they want to be attracted, attractive to the boys, but do you want them to be distracted by what you're not wearing? Let, let's, let's be frank, all right, what you're yeah. not wearing, or do you want them to be attracted to you as that unique, beautiful young woman that you are? And the only way you can have them be attracted to you and that inner beauty is to be, be somewhat modest. Through the don't, virtue of modesty. Yes. Don't, don't be, don't present yourself. That's what I can't stand about feminists. They don't want to be treated like objects, but when women go out and dress like that, they say more power to you, sister. No, that's the whole point. You don't want women to be treated like objects, but when you are immodest, isn't that exactly what happens, Nicole? We have about a minute. It is. And I, and there's a phrase that I really have come to hate. And it's the phrase of that. I think women, I hear women telling other young women and it's um, leave something to the imagination. I want that phrase to go and die somewhere because we're not leaving anything to the imagination. There should be no imagining it's, it's meeting and greeting someone um, as as a whole person, as a dignified daughter of God. Um, and, and there should be nothing that needs to be thought of in the imagination. Um, and I think when we can just teach women that their dignity does not come from necessarily what they're wearing, but it just comes from their whole being, how they behave, how they speak, how they walk into a room, you know, someone can be just as distracting if they walk into a room cursing as they could, if they walk into a room with a super low cut top, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's all part of modesty. Excellent. So we're going to leave it there for a minute, Nicole. We're just going to take a break. Uh, So thank you for joining us at the front line with Joe and Joe. We're having a great conversation way in the breach with Nicole Caruso. And she is the author of a new book coming out Tuesday, Worthy of Wearing, How Personal Style Expresses Our Feminine Genius. Um, And remember, follow Joe and I on Facebook and YouTube. Like, subscribe, share, do all that fun stuff. And make sure you download the Veritas Catholic Network mobile app. We got more of this great conversation coming up on the other side of the break. So stick around. Catholic Radio works. And now we have it here in Connecticut and New York. It's been seen around the country that there's no better tool for evangelization. Where there's Catholic Radio, the folks who listen deepen their faith. Families are strengthened. Parishes and communities flourish. So, let people know you're listening to Veritas, tell your friends to tune in, and let's make an impact here for Jesus and His Church. This is Steve Lee for Veritas Catholic Network. Welcome back, everyone, to The Frontline with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello, and we are way in the breach with Nicole Caruso, and we are talking about her new book, Worthy of Wearing, How Personal Style Expresses Our Feminine Genius. Nicole, before we get back into it, we'll, we'll ask you again at the end, where could people uh, reach you, follow you, social media, any of that fun stuff? So they can find me on Instagram with the handle NM Caruso or Worthy of Wearing. And I also have a website for worthyofwearing.com and my own personal website, NicoleMCaruso.com. Awesome. So make sure you follow Nicole because she's got a lot, a lot of valuable information for all you parents out there, particularly parents of daughters. 
You know, in your book, Nicole, you illustrate that what you wear and how you wear it is not price dependent. I think that's a very important point because, listen, I mean, people have all types of different, you know, incomes. And, you know, it's not just for rich people uh, to, to address, you know, modestly. It's for poor people, too. And Catholics, you know, run the gamut of them all. Talk a little bit about that, because I think that's an important, you know, conversation to have for moms out there. I, you know, I think style does not depend upon money. I I used to work in luxury retail and there were women that would come in with a black Amex and they had no idea how to get dressed. They had no sense of personal style whatsoever. So they relied upon the sales associates there to help them with that. Um, You know, I grew up in a blue collar home. We had uh, hand-me-downs. We did the old Navy clearance rack. Uh, You know, we were not going out and buying new clothes all the time. My mom would hate when we would grow. (laughs) She was like, please don't grow a shoe size because we can't buy shoes right now. And I think that gave me such a desire to develop my personal style because I had to be much more creative. You know, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't able to go out and just get whatever the cool new thing was. I had to work with what I had. And I give the example in my book of Audrey Hepburn, who I know a lot of, you know, and love, she was a beautiful actress. Um, And in a lot of her movies, she always looks so elegant. People just, you know, I have idolized her um, because of her personal style. But one thing I do love about her story is that she grew up in World War II and she had this one scarf. There's actually a children's book written about this. It's very, very sweet for little girls. She had this one scarf that she would wear 15 different ways because she'd put it on as a headband. She'd wear it around her neck. She'd put it on her wrist as a bracelet because she didn't have much. But what it did was show her that with one beautiful thing, like one little handkerchief, um, she could create this beautiful, inherent personal style. Um, So we do not need to have a full bank account to go shopping at the mall and buy all the things. Um, True personal style comes from expressing your story, expressing um, who God made you to be, your unique likes and dislikes. And you can do that whether you're at the Goodwill or you're at Saks Fifth Avenue. Um, But it's truly more about knowing yourself and knowing what suits your body than it is about following whatever some magazine or you know, some, you know, talk show is saying is the, the trend of the moment. In, in your book too, you, you introduced this concept of editing your closet periodically. What do you mean by that? What I mean by that is that, you know, we, we can have things clutter our closet and that just makes getting dressed take so much longer. I think this is much more common for women than for men. I kind of um, have actually taken this inspiration from my husband's closet, which is very edited. He's got his shirts for mass. He's got his shirts for Monday through Friday. He's got the pants, the shoes, they all match and they all look great no matter if he gets dressed with his eyes closed or not. And I want women to have that same effortlessness when they get dressed because a lot of times, you know, you get a gift of a sweater from your grandma or you get this thing that somebody bought you and you're afraid to get rid of it. Or you go to Target and you shop the clearance rack and you get home and you have no idea how this even works with what you currently have. So I encourage women to go into their closet, set aside the things that they feel good in. They fit, they know when they put it on, they have a little pep in their step, or maybe someone said to them, you know, maybe their husband, their brother, whoever said, you you look so beautiful when you wear that dress, you know, that's the dress you keep. Um, The other stuff, you know, that's what you need to go through. Does it not fit? Is it old? Um, Do you keep trying to wear it? And every time you put it on, you don't feel good in it. So just 
give yourself permission to let those things go. And the reason why is that if you donate it and it's in good condition, it might bring someone else so much joy when they find it on the racks. And then when you get dressed, rather than having a pile on the bed, you know, big as a mountain, you take five minutes, you throw something on and you're done and you're good and you're ready for the day. I think when we some people think that having personal style means you spend all day thinking about what you're wearing and how you're wearing it. And to me, true effortless style means you take five minutes, you throw it on, and then the rest of the day, you can be much more present to whatever your state in life is, whether you're a stay-at-home mom, you're at work, um, you're in and out of the house, or you're a teacher, or whatever you do, you can be so much more present to the people you serve in your state in life when you're not thinking about yourself. Um, and I found this as a new mom. You know, I was, you know, a lot of new moms where you get dressed, you throw on the, the the leggings and the big sweatshirt, or you just keep wearing the pajamas you wore the night before. And then you catch yourself in the mirror at two o'clock in the afternoon. And you're like, who's that? You know, (laughs) what's going on? Is this what being a mother is, you know? And, um, and it really made me struggle with my own self-worth and confidence. And so once I started to kind of work that muscle a little bit of getting dressed every day and not just doing it for myself, but also doing it for my family, you know, and like we were talking about before modeling that for our daughters and our, and our sons of like, this is what it means to get dressed for my day. Um, it made all the difference for me and for my family. You know, Go ahead, you basically said, you know, we talked a little bit on the other side of the break about, you know, translating our faith into action. And that is translating your faith into action, editing your closet and giving stuff away. How blessed we are in this country. Mm. I mean, my wife, comes from a big family. And sometimes at Christmas, we get so much stuff. I mean, so much stuff. She, she gives some of it away and the kids see it. Like that is, I think, so important with regard like to triggering what it means to be Catholic. Kids have to see, again, getting back to it's not ritualistic. We have rituals. They have to see it. We share And that is a great example of saying like, listen, I have so many things. I'm going to give some away to somebody. You know, my mom does that. My dad does that. Therefore, they will do that. It's very, very important. I just want to let let's you mentioned self-worth, Nicole Caruso, who's joining Joe Pasillo and Joe Rissano at the front line with Joe and Joe. You mentioned self-worth. Now, that's a misconception or there is a misconception out there in the culture where the line between self-worth and confidence and self-worth, a, a healthy self-worth, uh, gets conflated with narcissism. And I think it's a very accurate statement to say we live in a narcissistic culture. Explain to our audience at the Veritas Catholic Network the difference between the two and why one is good and why one is not good. Yes. So, I mean, self-love is this new term that everybody is, you know, you see it on coffee cups, you see it on throw pillows at home goods, it's everywhere. And people think it's a good thing. Like we should love ourselves, right? If we love ourselves, then we'll be okay. Um, And what we need to remember as Catholics is that we as just human beings are just creatures. You know, we're just these things that God made for his own delight, right? But it was in dying for us on the cross that he gave us this sense of being worthy of him. We were worthy enough to that he died for us to bring us back, to give us that gift of heaven, open those gates for us to be with him in all of eternity. And so that's where our true dignity and self-worth comes from. It does not come from something we conjure up on our own. Um, you can't be the problem and be the solution. You know, you if you if you're if you you lack self-love and you just love yourself enough. 
and then all of a sudden magically you're whole again. Like, no, only Christ can make us whole. So a healthy self-worth um, that is really rooted in the humility that without Christ, I can do zero. Um, you know, without Christ, this book would not exist. <laughs> I'll just be real with you. Mm-hmm. Um, that is where true self-worth comes from. It's from knowing your nothingness, you know, knowing that without Christ, you can't do anything great, but with him, he can, you know, with our yes, our fiat, our, our obedience, he can do incredible things on earth that bring great people to him. And you think of any saint, um, you even think of our, our new blessed Carlo Acutis, you know, what an amazing story. The guy played video games and wore sneakers and was like this modern, you know, boy um, that loved the Eucharist. And just in him speaking about the Eucharist has has changed so many hearts, you know, and we can do that as well. So we need to kind of rid ourselves of this sort of spirit of narcissism that is taking over the culture of me, me, me. If it doesn't make me happy, if it's not my personal truth, then it's not, you know, good. We need to really pare that down and think, okay, Lord, you made me. I therefore I have dignity. I'm made in your image and likeness. Therefore, I have dignity. But um, I can't do anything on my own. I can't fall into that self-reliance. I need to have reliance on God and let the Holy Spirit work and be obedient to that. And then beautiful things can come from You know, Nicole, when you were saying that, it made me think of Francis as in St. Francis. He said in front of the cross of St. Damiano, who am I, Lord, and who are you? And in knowing that, you, you, you basically come to the realization of self. You see, that's what I think at the root of a lot of these issues, immodesty, um, narcissism. They don't know who they are. You see, yes. we have to understand, and this is both men and women. We have to understand. You also touched on the, uh, the, the point of we're creatures. That's all we are. Whether you're the president of the United States or whether you clean the president's bathroom, you both end up in the same place. We're here for a brief period of time. We are who we are in God's eyes alone. I remember um, in my journey back to the church, which I wasn't practicing for a long time. Uh, it's funny, both of you guys mentioned it. Um, and it reminded me that I lived that selfish lifestyle for a long time before I met my wife. And thank God I met my wife. Literally, thank God he, he brought me my wife. Um, and that's one of the things I realized. I remember I was talking to my sister who was a big U2 fan, right? So it's all I heard in, in my mom's house was U2 all the time. But there was one line that struck me when, and I'm not a biggest Bono fan, but there's one line that struck me when he sings, uh, if you want to kiss the sky, better learn how to kneel on your knees, boy. And it always struck me that if I want to actually be a, a, a man, okay, and what it means to be a man and, uh, and, 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 and all of that, that I need to get right with God. And that's what brought me back to confession, you know, later on. But I had to be, and I think that's where I want to hand it over you because Joe's big on humility. That's where a little humility comes in. And that's what the society is lacking. Nobody wants to bend the knee. What do you think about that, Nicole? I, you know, I think we see it. We see it even in our churches. People are forgetting to genuflect in front of the, the true presence, in front of the tabernacle. And it breaks my heart, you know, and um, it's it's really up to us to teach 
our, our kids. And then our kids are going to model that for their peers. Um, so it's, it's a big job. It's a huge, it's a huge responsibility, but, um, we, we need to be courageous, uh, and in, in teaching this and, in, and fearless in teaching this. Um, and I, I try to, you know, ask St. Paul to, to pray for me in this mission, because, um, it's not easy to talk about these things. It ruffles people's feathers. You know, um, I think especially in this cause of, well, you know, you can't tell me I can't be a feminist or you can't tell me that I can't dress however I want to dress because I feel empowered when I dress this way. And we know at the heart of that, like you said, they don't know who they are. They don't know whose they are. And I think when we have that realization and I I encourage women to pray this prayer, Lord, let me see myself the way you see me. Because I think when we do that and we accept his gaze, we accept his tender look from the cross, like here I am for you. I'm getting a little emotional, but um, that's where the true transformation happens. You know, uh, you know, one of the children, St. Lucia, said at Fatima, the final attack will be on the family. And clearly there is an attack on the family currently um, as, a, as a wife and a mom of three. What's some practical advice you can give to other women out there to strengthen your relationships with your families? Because I'll be honest with you, I think at the root of all our problems in our society is the weakening of the family. I think this is something that politicians miss as well as the culture at large. You could live in a garden apartment, but if you have a solid family, odds on your kids will be grounded and be fine in life. Um, let's talk about ways to strengthen those family relationships. Cause I think it's so important. I think the biggest thing in, in that, in that vein of talking about humility is um, telling your children when you messed up, because when you can be vulnerable and say, you know what? And I've done this before. Mama took it a little too far. I'm so sorry. Can you please forgive me? That's where beautiful transformation happens because we can't just be the authority of you know, you got to follow this rule. You got to do this thing. We have to show that we are sinners too. I mean, how powerful is it when we hear a priest on the pulpit speaking to us, preaching to us about something so beautiful, and then it, then telling us it's something he has struggled with, or telling us this is uh, this is something that I've um, that I've dealt with. I'm a sinner too. You know, I think when people hear that, they're like, oh. Right. You know, we need our children to know we're sinners too. And we need to model that by going to confession on Saturdays, by asking forgiveness. And then also just by cultivating a family culture that is very Christ centered. So like you were saying, pray the rosary together, even if the two-year-old is, you know, tearing apart the whole living room while you're doing it. Don't, you know, don't give in, just keep going, keep praying, um, reading scripture, this is something that I'm just learning to do because my Italian American family had a reversion when I was in high school. So reading the Bible was not something I did. And now I'm starting to do this with my children, teach them those stories of scripture. Um, even those, those, even the little tiny children's Bibles are so powerful for them to learn about what people did for Christ. Um, and then of course the stories of the saints, I think my daughter is like a little mini saint expert. She's just so, um, enthralled with what these people did and what they endured for Christ, especially the martyrs. We have so much to learn by their courage 
privilege. And these are just things we should talk about at the table as a family. Um, and then I just would have to say meals, meals together. That is the best thing you can do for your family to grow in relationships. Why? Because at the dinner table, there's no phone. There's no, you know, we have to make eye contact. We have to talk to each other. It's how we learn how to converse. It's how we learn how to talk about the hard things. So to me, non-negotiable dinner time. Um, as, as a busy family, it's, it's a non-negotiable hour of the day where we sit, all the phones are on silent and we're talking um, and trying to cultivate those relationships. And you're at the front line with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasillo, Joe Resinello. We're having a great conversation way in the breach with Nicole Caruso. And we are discussing her new book, Worthy of Wearing, How Personal Style Expresses Our Feminine Genius. I want to stay on that a second, Nicole, because it's so you mentioned the saints. Let's stay on the saints for a second, okay? Because now, nowadays, what, what the culture is taught is, look, here's Saint Lady Gaga, and here's Saint, Saint, I hate, I, I won't use her name, Louise Saccone. All right, she's got a different name. She uses the name of our, our blessed mother in a blasphemous way. Um, like, those are the modern-day saints, okay? And I think it's so important to counter that by saying, no, 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 okay, you should love these people and pray for them, but here's the real saints, like we prayed that I, I said when we prayed earlier, it's like St. Agnes, pray for us. Because before the interview, I wanted to see who the patron saint of purity was. So we pray to St. Agnes. Talk to our kids about the saints. Talk about, um, you know, the ways where we could, you know, sit down and really get into the lives of these people who we are truly supposed to be modeling our lives after. I think a great place to start, and this is kind of my, was my starting point, is just look at the saint of the day. If you start there, you read their little biography, you learn, oh, they were from Rome. Oh, they were from France. Oh, they were from, you know, teach your kids just in these little small ways about these incredible people that lived before us that made it to heaven, you know, and that have beautiful things have happened because of their, um, their testimony. I think that's where we can just begin to have an idea of like, okay, maybe this person was not a perfect person. You know, none of us are. Let's, let's take, you know, let's talk about Padre Pio or um, St. Francis of Assisi or, you know, St. Augustine. I mean, St. Augustine's life, like before becoming St. Augustine was crazy. Um, but that should give us so much hope that no matter what mistake we have made, no matter how far we have strayed from the Ten Commandments, from the teachings of the church and living out our faith in an authentic way, we can always begin again. And that's a phrase I love from St. Jose Maria Escriva is nunc cepi. It's a Latin phrase meaning now I begin. And I write about that in my book too. I want people to feel like, you know, we have this beautiful gift of confession. You don't have to wait for a new month or a, a new Monday or a new day to start over. You can start over right now. You know, it might be whatever time it is, uh, you know, a random time of day, let's say it's, you know, 1130 in the afternoon, you can start again. And so I think that's where the lives of the saints teach us that, that we don't need to kind of have this scrupulosity of perfection, but we can have the humility to say, I messed up. Now I'm going to start over and please God help me. You know, Nicole, I'm so glad you talked about like, you know, people aren't perfect because I think a lot of times people could listen to our voice. You know, they're like, who are these three holy rollers? You know, like no one's perfect. You know, my house, you mentioned like, you know, try to get four kids under seven to go to sleep. I'm screaming, <laughs> to be honest with you, like it's a nut house. It is, and just last night, we're trying to pray through the rosary. It was a nut house. 
I was going crazy. I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah, his two-year-old was tearing apart the, the, the living room, as you described. I mean, like, that's exactly what I thought about when you said trying to pray the rosary with the two-year-old was his son, Mateo. You know, but, but then I always in the morning after sometimes like you say, you take it too far. Well, I could take it too far. You're screaming like you lose focus. You just say, I'm sorry. That is so important because here's another thing, you know, we all want our kids, no matter whether you're Catholic or not, to be good. I mean, this is a common theme amongst any human being on the earth, whether you're from Cambodia or you're from Canada. However, they have to see that in you. People, children have to see that in you, all of your humanity. And that's why grace has to be in the family. Like, I pray the rosary. We're huge on the rosary in our house because I need grace. I'm Catholic because of the grace. I know who I am. Trust me. I know who I am. And families, you see, the value. I Listen, I have all types of friends. And why don't people go to church? They don't go. They don't see the value in it. Well, they have to see the value in it. Because without that grace, I got news for you. I don't think marriage works, Nicole. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I don't even believe in civil marriage. Because... We are flawed humans, and that is important to stress. I'm not sitting here making myself out to be perfect. God knows I'm not. Talk about the need for grace in the marriage, which will translate into the children. Well, you know, you think of the difference between Judas and St. Peter, right? Two men made a huge mistake. What did St. Peter do? He wept. He asked for forgiveness. And what did God do? He made him the rock of the church. I mean, can you imagine if Judas had done that? What we would have, what beauty there could have been if he had said, I'm sorry, I did the wrong thing. So I think, you know, this is something we need to remember is that the greatest sin can become the most beautiful redemption. God can redeem all of it. Um, And we need grace to do great things. And that goes back again to this self-love toxicity versus just true self-worth and knowing that you come from God and that you need his grace. Um, because otherwise you're, you're right. You know, how are we going to do this without grace? I know for myself, gosh, I, I think of friends I know who are, um, who are not Catholic. And I'm like, how do they get through the day? There's so much coming at us. There's so much oh. spiritual warfare. Like, I, I mean, without my rosaries and my holy water, I mean, and just that prayer of Lord, please help me. I need to start over. Like, I don't know how people do it. Truthfully. I'll tell you, I, I struggle. Like I'm glad you're, you're talking the way you are talking about our lack of perfection because we're not perfect. We're not saints. I, when I'm praying all the time, I say to myself, and thank God, I, I just got a new position at work. So now I'm going to work days, which means I can actually pray with my wife every night. Okay. Oh, beautiful. Rather than her praying on her time and us praying together on the weekends. And I think to myself all the time, um, I think it's a good way to look at it. How much worse would I be if I did not avail myself of the grace available through prayer and the sacraments? Because we all struggle. We all have our struggles, okay? That, you know, we, we're trying to grow. I mean, the church teaches we're growing in holiness. That means we ain't there yet, okay? Yep. If I didn't pray, oh, and I pray because I'm not, not because I'm better. I tried to say this to a friend of mine one time who, you think he used the words, holy roller. I said, forget it. I said, I pray because I'm worse, not because I'm better. I think, I think and, and, and like I said earlier, and like you were alluding to, if, if you want to be fully alive, as Jesus promised, 
I, I come to bring you life and abundantly, okay? Then you mm-hmm. have to live it through him. If we don't get that straight in our culture, that's one of the reasons why America is really, really, really declining. And I promise you, Nicole, we won't walk you into a political conversation. <laughs> but we have about, we probably have about four minutes or so. And I think Joe wanted to talk about uh, a couple things. I want to talk about chastity. I mean, how does a mom or a dad, for that matter, basically convince a child that they should remain chaste, particularly in the teenage years and in the college years until they marry. Because I mean, kids just don't want to hear it. That's a challenge. I mean, it is, but you know, as a person, you know, who've gone full circle in that, I see the wisdom of the church. I mean, I see it fully and clearly that the wisdom of the church, how spot on they are. Talk about that as a mom um, to other moms out there, because sadly the culture is basically selling casual sex in the hookup culture. There's a great documentary coming out of Boston College on that. Basically a professor basically saying these kids don't know how to date. It's just hookups, hookups. I mean, Boston College is a Catholic school. Talk about that. I mean, um, please. Yes, so I think, you know, back to talking about how we raise our our little people, um, teaching our kids that they are temples of the Holy Spirit, that they are made in the image and likeness of God is the only way we can teach them chastity. And I really firmly believe that because if you can tell your sons and daughters that they're whole, like from the day of their baptism, they are a temple of the Holy Spirit and they need to act and treat themselves and uh, respect themselves in a way that um, that tells that to other people, that is going to make the big difference. You know, hookup culture is, my body is available basically for however you would like to use it, look at it, touch it, whatever. There are zero boundaries in in our current culture um, on certain things. You know, it's like you can have your personal truth, but you can touch my body however you like. I don't know how that makes any sense, to be honest with you. It doesn't, but go ahead. <laughs> you know, so I think when we teach our sons and daughters that they're a temple of the Holy Spirit, we also need to model that too. You know, so I think a lot of women out there be very careful how you speak about your body um, and the things that you don't like about yourself, let's say, in front of your kids, because that voice very often is something that they will hear about their own body. So, you know, let's say you do feel insecure about a certain body part or a certain thing about yourself. Um, You know, when that thought comes to mind, just Offer it as a prayer. Lord, I'm struggling with this. I'm going to give it to you. Put it at the foot of your cross because our kids need to know that they like those voices of shame and fear are going to come through the house first. So I think when we protect that and we create a space in our home where um, we talk about the dignity of our body, we talk about how special um, our bodies are. I relate it to my kids like the tabernacle. Um, you know, when we talk about why we dress ourselves a certain way, why we dress modestly, what that means. When you look at the tabernacle, um, only when it's time for adoration is the host in a monstrance. Even the monstrance itself is a beautiful gold bejeweled object. Only, you know, only something beautiful worthy of the King of Kings. The tabernacle in the church is usually gold. It's sometimes draped with some sort of beautiful tapestry or veil. There's jewels, there's marble, there's, I mean, you look at the Italian churches when you go to Rome and you think, oh my gosh, this is why people who aren't even Catholic, their jaw hits the floor because it's the beauty that, that, 
that translates to the beauty of God. He's the author of life. He's also the author of beauty. So when we teach them what authentic beauty is, I think that's where they start to understand their modesty, their chastity. Those two things go together. Um, They are like, you know, I don't know how else to say it. It's like the link in the chain. You need one to have the other. You need modesty to have chastity. You need chastity to have modesty. And when you're struggling with those two things, I think it's 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 time to examine um, what you're wearing. It's time to examine how you speak. It's time to examine your behavior, you know, because modesty is all those three things. And then that will inform your chastity. It will inform the boundaries you have. Um, and you know, it's very hard in dating culture. I remember when I first met my husband and we were <laughs> one of the first times we ever hung out, he said, you know, well, oh, what book did you know, are, are you reading right now? And I was mortified. I'm like, oh no, I don't want him to, I don't want to say the name of the book. And I, then I thought, you know what? And this was the Holy spirit. If I say the name of the book, he's either going to walk away. He's either going to run away and be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I was talking to that girl. Or he's going to, you know, want to talk more. And it was a book called, um, Catholic courtship in an oversexed world. <laughs> so, <laughs> Nicole, we're going to have to leave it there because unfortunately, I think the Paisans could probably go on for about three hours. Okay. But we have to leave it there. Where can people find the book, Nicole? And, um, and where can they, uh, you know, look at your website and everything? So you can find uh, Worthy of Wearing at sophiainstitute.com slash wow. Uh, you can also find it on Amazon and a few other booksellers. Uh, I think Books A Million is also selling the book. And you can find me at NM Caruso on Instagram, NicoleMCaruso.com or worthyofwearing.com. Excellent. And we want to thank you, Nicole M. Caruso, for joining us at the front line with Joe and Joe. And thank you, dear brothers and sisters, for joining us here on the Veritas Catholic Network, bringing the truth of the Catholic faith to the New York metropolitan area, 1350 on your AM dial. For all Veritas content, please be sure to download the Veritas Catholic Network mobile app. Also be sure to follow Joe and I on Facebook and YouTube until they shut us down, of course. Like, subscribe, share, hit the little bell for notifications and all that fun stuff. And remember until the next time that our conversation is your conversation and that conversation is going on everywhere. We'll talk to you soon.